RadioInfluence.com. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Friday, Friday, happy Friday on a Duffified. Whoops, I haven't, I haven't said the name of my show wrong. I started that off properly. That's how tired I am, folks. I'm a little bit spent. I was just talking to Jerry in the background. He said I sound like I'm burnt out. I was like, burnt out? Isn't that what happens when you smoke too much weed? Because I haven't smoked too much weed. I'm totally cool. I'm just exhausted. I am uh, roughly like 20 plus thousand miles in the air this year so far. So I have done a boatload of back and forth, coast to coast, California, Philadelphia, uh, California or Philadelphia, Vegas um, runs back and forth. And I'm just a little bit tired this week. Uh, I landed at like 2 a.m. Sunday night because of delays coming out of Palm Springs. But uh, it was uh, it was all cool. I got home. I settled in nicely. The girls are all stoked that I'm home. I'm home for like 10 days, man, which is a big deal for me uh, during this year and during this time frame. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff. I've really been doing a tremendous amount of work, uh, both on my company as well as on a new project that we started to put together last February. Not this one that just passed, but the year before. So uh, I'll be able to come up with a little bit more information about that in the next couple of days. I've alluded to a couple of things here and there, really just kind of simplistic, like little post here and there, new project, showing stuff that I've been working with the production company called High Noon. Um, so I do have some news for everybody, but I've got to hold on. I'm not allowed to say anything just yet, but I will. So at least not in like a super public setting. I mean, if you're my buddy, or like my friend, chances are, you know, what's going on, but it's not like I won chopped and got 10 grand and I'm not allowed to talk about it because first off, that's not the case. Second off, I am not a competition dude. I don't know why. I just don't feel like I, I, I have to prove myself and my culinary ability in a TV slash competition setting. Somebody's like, oh, you should totally go on like Iron Chef. And I'm like, that would be my nightmare because I'm a dick when you put me in like a setting like that, that would come to be uh, like a competition type thing. I'll judge. I'm cool with judging. I just don't do competition stuff unless there's like a charity involved or something like that. So Michael Simon Somebody out there on Twitter has been trying to get Michael Simon and I to go against each other in a competition. And I said the only way it would happen was if uh, we did it for a charity. And I thought it would be cool because my mother's from Cleveland, now lives in Philadelphia. So here comes the odds. Here it comes. It's because I'm talking too much and I'm not getting enough oxygen in my brain. So what it comes down to is that I'm not a competition guy. I don't want to challenge you. I don't want you to challenge me. I don't want you to tell me you're a better cook than I am. That's not what this is about. That's not the world that I play in. I have fun. I equate the kitchen to a business and to fun and experience 
I don't equate it to a challenge situation. I think the only show I probably really would have done would have been like late night chef fight or knife fight, whatever that was. That was an awesome show. That was a great show. Two chefs, totally raw, pitted against each other, given a product that they have to work with, creating something specifically for other chefs to then judge. That's a fucking show to me. That is what I have an interest in. So that's how I feel about that. Uh, I have uh, had a pretty awesome week. Like I said, I got to get out of Dodge. I got to hang out in the, in, uh, the West, on the West Coast for a little bit, do some serious work uh, and get to play out for a little while. So I think that uh, my experience out there for the week was really pretty awesome. I got involved with a group of people that were opening up a property and, uh, and I really, what a great crew of people. I'm not going to talk about them yet because I'll talk about it before this episode of their show, before this episode airs. I'm not going to talk about them directly, but I'm going to talk about the community, I think indirectly. And what happened with this was the amount of outpour. It's a very tiny town in a little, in a part of California called San Jacinto. So it's a super cute little town, farming town. 10 years ago, they had a huge recession. People just upped and up and bolted, like took off to the point that you can get property out there right now, like a, like a ranch for so cheap that I, I kind of want to buy a ranch. I don't know how to ranch. I don't know how to be a rancher. I don't know how to wrangle a horse or I don't even know how to milk a cow or, or, or grow a crop. I could grow a crop. I could, I've, I've done my share of farming, shall we say crop growing, but I don't know 100% that I'd be able to do what a, a ranch would need for me to be able to effectively sustain it. So I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to make it a point to get back to San Jacinto, California, because I'm very impressed by the community itself. Um, it's a it's a super tight knit little town. Uh, there's an area called Hemet and then San Jacinto, which are right next to each other. It's about an hour west of Palm Springs, and it's just a, 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 a what a nice group of people. Talking about the city planners, the cops, uh, you know, I mean, all, all these people that are involved in this town, I like, I was shocked by them, you know, just so nice and so, so friendly and so opening and just, you know, just, I, I can't even put it to words. What a really nice group of people. Um, I met uh, some pretty cool people. Like I met the chief of police and I met the, the chief of fire and I met the mayor and I met the Economic Development and Special Projects Administrator. How about that title? I think that's like, that's like a title, you know? Economic Development and Special Projects Administrator. That's a, like, I feel like Chef is just kind of, kind of secondary at this point, you know? I think Chef is really not it chef doesn't match up to if I were to say chef and you were like, Oh, that's pretty cool. But if I were to say that I was the economic development and special projects administrator, you'd be like, Holy shit, that guy's got a real job, like a title, but no, I don't. I'm just a chef. So, uh, 
I just, I really enjoyed the whole time out there. Got to hang out a couple cool little spots. I went out to dinner one night, this little Mexican place and they were on fire. Like the place just crushed it. I had an agua chile that was that, that rivaled anything that I've had down in Mexico, anything that I had down in Mexico. They did a shrimp agua chile that was just so fresh, so clean and just smack dab in the middle of this little town in California. Um, after the agua chile, I got uh, the I got the shrimp. I can't remember the name of it. They were wrapped with bacon and then baked off with cheese. Like, really? Could we get any more simplistic? And everything was delicious. They really did a very nice job. The next night, I went to this little place called Lemongrass, uh, which is in San Jacinto or Hemet. I can't remember. Uh, I got some pho. The service was horrific. Horrific. The bartend, the servers were drinking. I don't know if they were just like friends of the, of the owner or if the owner invited a bunch of friends in. And if you don't know much about like Vietnamese, Thai, that sort of stuff, one thing they do is they love to drink and they don't just drink. They chug their beers. So the beers kept coming out. They were like half full pint glasses. And next thing I know, like I sit down, I look over and the servers are sitting down chugging beers. We're waiting to place our order. So there was some sort of hierarchy that was happening at that point that stopped the flow of service. And it was pretty funny. So I I did have an opportunity to laugh at that. But despite the really bad service that we had, dinner was on fire. Again, off the hook, great pho. The broth that I had was delicious. They made me some really nice grilled pork. Although I had a, had a, I had to order a whole nother dish just to get the grilled pork instead of being able to order the grilled pork by itself. So that was a fail right on that part. But I mean, it was, it was delicious. So in reality, I didn't even mind the, the $22 pho that I had when he threw another nine ninety five piece of pork on top of it, but it was good. And I really enjoyed it. Just service was lacking. Um, so super cute little town. And I think one of the reasons why I'm talking about this is because I took a really cool picture that I posted on my Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook and all that stuff that if you get an opportunity, just take a look at it because it's, it's a picture of my feet in a circle, um, with a bunch of other people around me. And what we were doing was, um, I was, I, I was getting this picture actually for TV was the reason why I was doing it because I wanted this shot for it. But when I got the shot and I got home and I looked at it on the, I was flying home and I saw it and it just evoked, invoked, evoked so much memory of all of the places that I've been that I put a pretty cool post up. So I'm going to throw something out there if everybody wants to, you can do it on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. I would love for you guys to go and check out this post that I put up. Again, my Instagram is Chef Brian Duff, Twitter, Chef Brian Duff, Facebook, Chef Brian Duffy. Go and like them or do whatever you have to do. Follow me. I, I have a pretty cool life. Hence the reason why I think you guys are listening to it of experiences. Hence the reason why you guys are listening to this show. So go over to that Instagram post. And if we've ever met, I would love for you to send me uh, just just reply and let me know where it is that we've met because I, I, I pretty much like, I remember really weird shit. Like I was at, I was doing an appearance somewhere and this woman came up to me. Oddly enough, I can't remember where the appearance was, but I remember the interaction. Actually, it was at a barbecue festival in New Jersey that I helped to judge with like a couple other Philly chefs and, and, and bloggers and stuff. It was kind of cool. So this woman walks up to me 
and she says to me, uh, I want to thank you so much for what you do for the military. And I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. Thank you so much. Like, how did you know that? And she pulls a picture out of her phone and it was a picture of her son who was on Guantanamo Bay when I was down in Gitmo and he and I took a picture and she said, you made my son so happy that day. And I remember the picture exactly because the kid was a little bit nervous. He was a young kid, like 21, 22, like super young, green, sitting down at Gitmo on the joint task force side, which is where all the prisoners are held from the 9-11 stuff. And uh, like these mastermind criminals that are down there. But the kid just had such a great demeanor about him. And I shook his hand and you could tell that he was nervous. And, you know, I just kind of put him at ease. And I was like, thank you so much for what you do. And she she said to me, she's like, you you made my son's time down there go so much faster because he just remembered that moment. So I think that that's pretty cool. I'm not doing this to try to find out if I made an impact impact on somebody's life. I'm doing this because I'm genuinely interested to see some of the pictures that I've taken through the years with people because I think it's pretty fucking awesome that you guys are interested enough in taking a picture with me. So I'd love to see it. So my deal with that is I want you guys to um, to do that. If you, if you have a picture of us or if we've met in some capacity, I want you to send me a message or a reply onto that post on Instagram. And all it is is a post. It's like green or it's blue mainly with a whole bunch of shoes and legs in it. Read one of the posts of what I said, which is why I take pictures of my feet when I travel. Many years ago, not many, 11 years ago, I met a pretty wonderful person who had a very impact, a very large impact on my life. And one of the things that she had said to me is that every now and then he's got to stop. And there was a picture that that person had given me of our feet in the streets of New York. And it was just a really poignant moment. And I realized that at that moment that I have an opportunity to travel all over the world. And if a lot of people take pictures of monuments or something like that, I'm the type of person I like to take a picture of my feet in that location. And then I reminisce about that. So that's me and I'm weird and we all know that and we're good. So what we're going to do uh, today, speaking about meeting really cool people and about, about interacting and, and, and experiences all over the world. I have a friend of mine who's coming on the show today and she in itself is a super dynamic person. Um, so, and she's texting me right now, but, um, hold on. I have to tell her something. I need to find out how I say her last name properly. I'm just going to tell you guys, it's Duffified Live for a reason. So you know what? I'm going to get her on the show and then we're going to ask her, uh, once we get there. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to do me a favor and welcome to the show. I'm not even going to give her a title. I'm not going to give her anything else. I'm going to give her the very simple code name of badass human being because I have met this woman in a couple of different situations, food festivals or seminars or stuff like that. And she's just a, she's a very dynamic, powerful individual who travels all over the world all over the country, mainly, um, has her hands in a lot of different things, irons in the fire all over the place, if you would say, balls in the air, whatever you want to call it. She owns a cannabis farm. 
She works with plateware um, and she gets to eat at some of the greatest festivals around the country, as well as eat at some of the greatest restaurants in the country. So, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. I want you to welcome to the show, Duffified Live, Miss Jacqueline Mangione. And I probably said her last name wrong. So let's get her on the air to figure out whether or not it's right. Hey. What's going on, lady? Oh, my gosh. So sorry. I just had a whole line of contractors come into the house to fix my ceiling. They were scheduled at a different time, and they all just came in. Oh. Well, can we still talk, or do we have to interview them as well? Absolutely. No, 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 no. That's fine. So we're not interviewing them. (laughs) Do you want to interview them? Huh? We don't want to interview the contractors. Oh, I mean, I can get them on the phone. They don't. Speak much English, no. but we should. Oh boy, we <laughs> okay. should get that. And you know what we needed? We needed to not distract them, so that you can focus yeah. on the show, <laughs> and they can focus on your ceiling. Yes, yes, this is super important. Okay, so Jacqueline, I do yeah. have a quick question for you because I, I think I may have completely and utterly butchered your last name. Oh, okay. So what is it? Mangione. Mangione. Okay, Mangione. I did all right. You, yeah. you didn't. You didn't even reply <laughs> when I dumb. when I spelled it phonetically. You know what? So many people call me so many things. With my name being Jacqueline, I get called Jay Quellen. I get called, I mean, like it doesn't even phase me. But are you, a, but you're not there. a Jackie. Like the last thing I think I'd ever call you is no. Jackie. Oh God. No. Never. I knew it. Never. I, knew I can't it. associate with that name. But you have yeah, like, you're, it you're doesn't, too. It doesn't work with me. Look, but you know what's funny is like Jackie. And I was just going to say something like Jackie doesn't really equate to like the class that you are because I think you're super classy. Like, I just think you're a classy lady, but then I think about like Jackie Kennedy and she was a classy, she was a classy broad. Oh my God. I relate to that so much. It sounds really stupid to say this, but I feel the same way. I'm like, Jackie Kennedy is like the ultimate of class and sophistication, but I don't know what in my head, like, I feel like Jackie's are typically not like her. So oh, oh I, I totally agree. I feel like it, right, right. I just don't feel like it really describes me and like my the way I am and my being. So I just I just can't go with it. But I think that after she passed away, then she became like Jacqueline Onassis. You know, true, true. Like it changed. Like she yeah. got this super classy world, even though she was the epitome of class in the beginning. You're right. Well, okay. So here's the real reason why I don't go by Jackie. So my father's name is Joe. I come from, you know, a big Italian family. And he, when he was a little kid, I have no idea why this was or how it came to be, but they called him Jackie. Really? So I'm, yeah, isn't that odd? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I really don't. Well, his name's John, right? No, his name's Joe. So to go from Joe to Jackie, I don't know. We lived, like I said, in New York with a bunch of Italians. Maybe there was just so many Joes. Right. So somehow Jackie just came, but I was the sixth child of his oh my and God. none of them have been, <laughs> and none of them had been named after him. And my dad is pretty narcissistic. I mean, he's the most amazing man in the world and I idolize him and love him to death, but sure. he, he's, you know, he's that kind of guy. So he was like, all right, like we're naming this, the, my little daughter, Jackie, because it's like after him. Right. Little did he know he was going to have another child. That was a total accident. Um, which is my <laughs> brother who is, who is a star and I love him. And he is Joe too. So my mom was like, 
So now you've got two kids named after you. So anyway, I associate Jackie a lot with my, like my dad's nickname. So right. I think that's another reason I don't identify with it. And sure. that's why I'm Jacqueline. How, so, how far apart that. are you? How far <laughs> apart are you and the mistake? Me and the mistake are five years. Got I love it. it. Cause my whole life, my parents said I was the one that they like prayed for and like couldn't wait to have. And then my brother was the total you know, mistake and surprise. Pretty funny. So that was fun. Poor it kid. was funny. Poor kid. <laughs> poor kid. Yeah. He's doing okay. He's, he's in the marijuana industry. He's all right. He's doing just fine. Jerry just told me Jerry's our <laughs> producer. Jerry's a producer who's on the show with me. And he told me that I sounded like I was burnt out today, but he didn't what? mean, I know he didn't mean in like a weed way. Like he meant like, I sound I like know. I'm exhausted. And I was like, but God. I don't feel like I'm burnt. Like I don't smoke that much weed. No. And I don't think like exhausted goes with you at all. Like I've seen you on numerous occasions, like, and I, that's just, I don't know. You're always peppy. I'm tired today, Jack. I'm tired. Aww. I'm not going to lie to you. Right. I've been on the road. The la- I, I flew 104,000 miles last year. Oh, you, I, I see now, on Instagram. I enjoy watching what planes you're on. And my feet. I know. I just explained my feet pictures yeah. last <laughs> night. I put a, I put a big post up last night. I love it. I mean, it's a thing. Brian's feet on planes. Well, we changed it to, it's now called uh, kicks in the air. My brother, my buddy came up with a hashtag for it and it's kicks in the air. Oh, that's cool. Unless you could come up with something better. I think we could work on this. Okay. I'll think of something, but I'm I'm kind of digging kicks in the air. I like it as well. And it's K-I-C-K-S. I'm not like all of a sudden like eating weird cereal in the eighties. Kicks (laughs) K-I-X. I'm eating like, Good. I'm, I'm glad you're keeping it real. I'm still a Cheerio guy. So, okay. All right. So everybody right now is like, all right, who is this chick that he's talking to? So Jack, why don't you do me a favor? Tell me who you are, what you do, and then tell us how we can follow you on your social media stuff. Oh, awesome. Well, my name is Jacqueline Mangione and I am in the hospitality industry. I have a company that, um, consults with chefs. So I'm kind of the person behind the plate. So when you go to a restaurant and and you are eating off this amazing plate and you the food, there's so much thought that goes behind that. And I'm the one that helps curate that. So I'm the uh, with them, their team, and their interior decorating people. And we figure out what's the, what, what they're trying to express in the restaurant. And we actually take that down to the plateware, the glassware and the flatware and make that part of their story and curate the whole tabletop. So my job is such a blast because I get to eat everywhere and with the best chefs and just kind of get to be the best part of the, the restaurant industry, I think. Cause well, it's, it's the exciting fun part in the beginning. And it's one of the things that I think people don't think about a lot is the what oh, the, the attention does. to detail because in reality in most cases like when I first talk to my clients about opening restaurants I say do you guys have plateware picked out and they're like no mm-hmm. what do you mean do we have plateware oh it's an afterthought it's a oh. total afterthought yeah and, and I think it has been for a long time but thanks to like social media and like all these chefs becoming rock stars like yourself um I think there's a lot more attention to the whole dining experience. Totally. And so this has become part of the interior decor. This is a canvas where the art is presented and it's a whole different 
it's a whole different thing nowadays than it used to be. It's like, it used to be like, just go to Cisco, your food provider, and grab some whatever's in stock. Now, right. I work with people that sometimes are three years out on a project, and we are picking out, like, Pantone colors for the plates and custom designing things and really making it part of, like I said, part of the whole dining experience. And it's the thing that's shown on their social media the most is what the food's on. Now, let me ask you a question. It is are, are you finding that people are creating... Are they are they choosing the plateware, silver like flatware, glassware, tabletop stuff that far in advance based on the concept of the of the property, or are they planning food at that point? Mm, you know what? Both. It depends on the like. It depends on who you're working with. Some chefs have a total vision of the food that they're going to do, right. um, and then there's other people I work with that are, that are owners that are creating. Um, a space and right. haven't even hired a chef yet. So it kind of, it goes back and forth. It just depends. It depends on each situation. I still have those people that are like, I'm opening in two weeks. What can you do? Oh so God. And I'm like, go to restaurant the full Depot. Yeah. You know, get me, <laughs> get me some quarter sheet trays. How's that? <laughs> I can't tell you how much stress that causes me. Oh, I I'm like, I'll do, yeah. And I like to do everything I can to try to make a positive experience and make everybody happy. And so like, I want to fulfill these dreams for them, but like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Not within a two week timeframe. I mean, I typically tell people that if I'm getting involved three months before the project, then we have an opportunity to do stuff. But I really like those six months out. Like some of my most successful clients are really, I mean, and, and I have, and don't get me wrong. I have successful clients that are on the fly guys as well, but some of my most successful clients are the guys that are like, we're opening a property in eight months. We want to retain you to do this, this, and this. Can you come out and do a site visit? You know, like that sort of stuff. But then I have other people who are like, Brian bought a new bar because I still do <laughs> like, I don't just do like I do. Bar I, stuff. I love bar stuff. Are you kidding me? If I can yeah, put a burger on a wooden board, I'm ecstatic. Like I love. <laughs> I still do too. I mean, it's funny because I'm all, I focus so much on the trends and things that are happening in the market and like educating my customers on what the coolest things are. But at the same time, last night I was at this place called nickel city um, which I'll give a shout out to them because the coolest, coolest bar in Austin, super chill, super laid back. And I mean, they like serve cheese curds and sliders on a board and it doesn't get better. And, we, and you know what's so funny is that I have a lot of people who are like, well, how long do the boards last? And they go through all this other stuff. And I'm like, you know what, let's, let's start in on an inexpensive level. And I've gone as far as going to like Home Depot and buying three 12 foot <laughs> planks of cedar like one by six or one by eight cedar and having them cut down at home depot bringing them back to the restaurant curing them grilling them and charring them like i've done some really fucked up stuff for plates that's awesome i I mean mean, yeah you're costing me business there right but yeah i think that's great we usually go to home depot oh i've look i do i did a project where every, they wanted, they were focused super on like everything on healthy. So I went to the, I went to the Home Depot and I bought a whole bunch of PVC pipe, cut it all down, sanded oh, around the oh. edges, and then served everything in the PVC pipe because we had to portion everything in a very strategic way. So I was building plates oh with PVC God. tubes. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's like, am I going to pay 
$14 for one, you know, three inch round that's six inches high, or am I going to pay a dollar, you know, for a oh, piece? Yeah. I feel like I've seen every kind of presentation oh, and I've sure. not seen that. We got to see well, pictures of that. But it's not something that you serve with. So it's basically utilized oh, so more as a measuring tool it. and portioning than anything else. So that makes, that makes way more sense. Yeah. But in the same token, we're not just here to talk about plates because no. one of the things <laughs> that I really want to talk about, it is. And I know it is. I mean, and I know like, I love following your stuff because your stories are great. First off, how in the hell do you keep up with your social media the way that you do every real quick? What is your social media? How can we follow you? Okay. <laughs> you can follow me on the plate princess. Okay. Instagram. So it's the plate yeah. princess, but guys, I'm telling you like, yeah. she'll go, Jack will go, Jackie will go, Jackie, here we go. I did it. Jacqueline will go out to dinner. So what's your nickname? Let's do that. What's your nickname? Jack or Jack. Okay. That's what I think. Yeah, people okay. know who my friends are. Cause if you call me Jackie, they're like, they don't know you, but if they right. call me Jack or Jack, then you're in the club. Okay. I just want to check. Cause I usually do call you Jack. That's kind of where I go with you it. Do. So. Yeah. Um, but your social media, when you go out to some of these events, is uh, it's unbelievable. I don't know how you do it oh, as fast thanks. as you do, because I mean, like, I think I'm pretty good at some of the social media stuff. But when you're you're rapid fire and your shit looks good, thanks, and I appreciate it. Oh well, yeah, it's easy when you when you love food, you know. And yeah. I'm constantly at a food event every night. I can't even keep up actually with a lot of my posts. I'm at stuff every night, and I, I um. I don't, I don't get around to it all the time. Like last night I didn't get to post yet at all, but I went to an awesome um, Irish whiskey event, which was really cool. Nice. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> so what is, I but mean, yeah, so, I do a lot more than just the plate. Right. But I mean, so in regards to, so let's break down first off, have you ever been to Russell Davis's bar down there in Austin? I think it's yes. called. Yeah, I have. Academy? It's called, um, yeah, Academy. actually that's a funny thing. My, my boyfriend, he actually has a, a liquor blog and he's drinking often. That's kind of how we met. Oh, cool. And um, so, yeah, he thought he was super cool because he was telling me about this bar. And I was like, oh, I'm super good friends with this guy. I know everybody there. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, you don't know who you're dating. Like, I, I know those people, too. I was like, <laughs> I know Brian. And he's kind of been on TV with them. It's really it's really cute because he's trying to impress me. Of course. But, um you know, but it was, it was sweet. So yeah, Little that bar is awesome. The are great. Oh, good. That's cool. Yeah. I know he's been doing some pretty cool stuff and that's kind of neat. So, um, so I mean, I think one of the biggest things is, is the amount, first off, the amount of events that you go to, I mean, what are you seeing? And I'm going to pick your brain for a little bit before we get into the other stuff. What are you seeing trend wise that's happening with food right now? I mean, across the country. Hmm. Um, casual and smaller plates, um, fine dining is just not what it used to be. Um, fine dining, I feel like it's transformed into approachable, um, and more of a casual setting. You yeah. can experience that same amazing food, but in an environment that you're just really relaxed in. I feel like that's what I see the most is just the level of quality of food that's accessible. It's just awesome. And then the smaller plating is what I'm seeing a ton of. Um, and then quick service. I feel like quick service is on a huge rise. That's another thing that um, I'm working on a ton lately is um, good food fast. 
Um, and I think, ev- I think all of it really centers around the good food part, like sourcing from awesome salads and keeping high quality um, and just bringing it to everyone. Right. So that's, that's kind of, that's what I'm saying. Do you agree? I do. I mean, I think first off the, the, the fine dining scene has taken a, a huge downward spiral, shall we say people just aren't going yeah. out. People aren't going out to the three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollar a person meals. Look, your Alinea's are always going to be out there. Your Liber and Aden are always going to be out yeah. there. Those are those specialty locations. By the way, did you hear that whole thing that happened with Kat Cora going into? Yeah, oh my uh, god, I did. Alinea? Are you kidding? How crazy that is was that? So crazy. That was so embarrassing. I can't believe she did that. To be honest, I mean, I've always seen her as like a very and I and I've met her. We shot a show. You know, we were we did a show together years ago, and I was on her charity before. Like I, I was shocked. Sometimes I think, I don't know, we just have bad days, man. Well, I'm friends with Nick, you know, um, and so I thought he's one of the millennia. And so I thought on his, he posted it on his personal, like, Facebook. Right. And so that's where I saw it. And I was like, holy cow. I was like, that just doesn't seem like her. Right. So exactly. it must have been a bad day or something must have been off. Or I just, that didn't seem like her behavior. Yeah, I agree. It was a little bit out of character. And I, look, I'm not saying that I hang out with her and I know her that well, but I, I have met yeah, her. We have been, you know, in, in, in the same kind of circle doing things for a while, for a long time and, you know, more power to her, but it was a very odd situation. So, but, um, totally odd. so what are you seeing? Like, I mean, plate wise, what is the, you know, what is the trend for the more casual dining situation? Pink. This is the weirdest thing, but I'm telling you, pink is hot. Pink is the hot new color. And it, I don't know, maybe with all this, you know, women and, you know, women in power. I don't know how I'm thinking it's translating that way, you know, because I find it an interesting correlation that the hottest color this year is pink. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing more and more installations with it and also green as the, as a coordinating color with it, which we never put together in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pink like, and green is like hot. Eyes on. <laughs> oh my God. I did not think of that. Yeah. That I literally, I see an alligator on a yeah. shirt that I wore in the 1980s. You know what? It's all cyclical. It all comes back. Totally. You know, maybe, maybe I'm thinking feminism here, but maybe you're right with the eyes on. No, but I kind of like that feminism. I I like that feminism world though. I think that that, that, that makes sense. You know I mean? Not that, not that we're trying to, I don't know, maybe in a subliminal way that, you know, I have no idea. I have, I think it's subconscious. I'm I'm trying to sound intelligent. (laughs) I think it's subconscious as well. I think it's, let's leave it to subconscious. Subconscious does fucked up things to our head. So. It does. um, It does. And that's, that's what I've been waiting lately is that huge. Um, melamine is huge. It's plastic. It's so weird. People can't get their hands. I think there's melamine in fine dining. That's weird. So uh, it's the mixture of textures, the mixture of materials, you know, keeping your eyes just really um, surprised. And um, so we're just doing all different kind of mixes. And I think there's no boundaries anymore. There's no rules. Like you don't have a five piece place setting. You kind of grab this from over here and that from over there and have something super visually stimulating. And so, yeah, melamine has been, has been hot. 
Um, everybody wants wood that they can put in the dishwasher and we're still working on that. I go to Home Depot. Go, I mean, that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm just going to start going Seriously, to just undercut yourself right off the bat and go to Home Depot. Um, totally. And what are you seeing, I mean, city-wise, where are you seeing that, that where's some of the best food happening across the country city-wise? Ooh, that's hard. And you can't say Austin because you live Every, Because <laughs> I live in Austin, I can't be proud of my own city. No. Uh, that's a really tough question because there's so many different things happening in so many different parts of the, of the country that kind of have their own their own feel and their own rhythm. And like what we're doing often is, is exciting. But then like when you go to New York, it's, it's also amazing in a, in a different yeah. way. New York's so worn. I feel New York's, kind of I feel New York's worn out. I'm going to be honest. Well, okay. I think it's okay. Well, I just think that there's, it's played, there's out. it's played out. Don't get me wrong. I have some amazing friends. I have chefs that are amazing or friends that are amazing chefs up there. Have you done Empion? No. Okay. Have you done, uh, Ulta Kaladad? In Brooklyn? No. Fuck. Akhtar no. Nawab. He is a, he's ready for this. I'm this guy is, list. he's a, he is a, an Indian raised gentleman from Kentucky who cooks Mexican. Oh my gosh. And I'm telling you, Jack. You don't see that is, in Texas. So I'll tell he you does, that. he does a fucking, he does a roadie. Are you an Indian food fan at all? I'm, I'm a food fan of every. Okay, I'm just checking. Yeah. I'm just checking. Yeah. So do you know what yeah. the roti is? It's a very thin, like wheat dough yes. layered with butter. He does one with cactus and a creme fraiche on top of oh. it. That that it, it it's uh. it's mind blowing. He does these fermented what did he send me a picture of a couple weeks ago? He texted me after I had gone in for dinner. He does a queso fresco dumpling that he ferments for three days. And it's, and it is, I mean, it, it's, it just explodes. The flavor that comes out of these dumplings is unmatched. It's unlike anything I've ever had. He's a, he's a brilliant chef. Oh, he's, he's been on the show as well. I told you, you're joining the ranks of some pretty interesting people there, Jack. <laughs> I knew it. The day I saw you, I was looking across the, the room and, and I was like, that guy. I want to be that guy's friend. Yeah. You just have this awesome energy. And I was like, yep. I know. And we've tried to meet up. We've tried to meet up in cities. We've tried to have dinner. We've tried. I think I was in San Antonio last time and you were like, you weren't, you weren't feeling well. And then. No, stop it. It, it, It'll eventually happen. I'm not that type of person. So I don't, I don't care about stuff like that, you know, but because I'm like, well, it'll happen another time. It just wasn't meant to be to happen at that point. But the, like we've tried it. And then I think where were we? The last time I saw you was in Ohio. <gasps> was it at Roots? I think it was at Roots. Yeah. Was at Roots? I think it was at oh, Roots. No, nope. I believe I saw you at NRA last year, but it was like a brief moment. Okay. It was super fast. Yeah. Was it last year? I don't know. It was super fast. No, you, I'm telling you, you went to Roots last year too. So no, like I, I didn't go to Roots out, last year. I was there two years ago. Okay. And oddly, wow, and I didn't get invited back out. this year. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, I didn't get invited back. Well, you know they're not like, doing it this year. Why? They, um, they're writing a book. They're writing a 500-page book, Jamie and Farmer Lee. It's going to be epic. Uh, um, sure. So they're actually doing, right? I, I can't wait. It's in their, They're collaborating with, I think, a lot of people. and um, It's going to be great for the farm and get a lot of good exposure for people that haven't experienced the farm. Um, right. 
but they're doing a thing called Roots on the Road, which uh, I'm helping out with. And I'm super excited and taking it out across the country. And we're doing it in Dallas on March 24th. Um, and it's sold out. It's a one day event as opposed to the whole weekend experience they have up in Ohio. Right. And they've got five chefs cooking. Um, Junior Borges um, is one of them. And Matt Peters will be speaking, which will be really, really cool. So That's yeah, I can't, awesome. I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be great. And, I'm sure Farmer will be there in his overalls. So. In his overalls. <clears throat> when I, I met him, I think, where did I meet him? I met him at an event. I walked over. He's super approachable, super nice guy, shook his hand. He knew me from, I think, like Bar Rescue. Like, that was a riot. And then I just said, hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast sometime. He's like, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you get him on? Yeah, we talked right before Roots. Two years ago. Oh, that's so cool. Because this year was Roots Collaborative, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago was Roots Innovate. Yes. Really enjoyed Innovate. So you did I. went on such a good year because the weather was in, was really on oh, was point. Beautiful. This past year was raining the whole time. It was a little chilly in the morning. I do remember that when we first got over there. And yeah, that was, that was a cool, that was a really neat event. So just so everybody understands what we're talking about. Roots Innovate is, happens at the Culinary Vegetable Institute in just outside of, you ready for this, Sandusky, Ohio. Okay. So. <laughs> Mylon, Ohio. is the Mylon, city. Mylon, Mylon. Sorry, I was thinking about mm-hmm. uh, Tommy from Sandusky. Um, but it's in Mylon, Ohio, which is about an hour from Cleveland. I think it's west of Cleveland. And. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, I mean, there's all these amazing chefs and collaborators and writers and just culinary brains that get together and, and there's forums and seminars and, you know, there's all this really cool stuff to talk about different things to move the culinary industry into, into the opportunity to be sustainable, to utilize as much farmer driven product as possible. And the story of the farm is something that shocked me where his father actually turned down the government in the seventies. Did you know the story about the farm? I didn't know that part. I mean, so I've heard farmer is- uh, talk about like the growth of the farm, but I didn't know about that. So in the, in the, in the late sixties, early seventies, the government was basically coming through and saying, okay, look, here's the deal. You know, we want you to grow corn. And here's the product that we want you to grow. And this is the product that we want you to use. And his father was like, no, like that's not what I want to do. And this was when Monsanto and all this other shit was coming out and starting to get really popular with, with, you know, Roundup and all that stuff. And they said, no, they wouldn't do it. And the government basically told Lee's father like, if you guys don't do this, we can't guarantee that you're going to get a loan when you need it next time. Oh, but like, he wanted can't... to keep like the integrity of his product. Right. Exactly. And this was during the time frame. obviously think about the corruption that happened in the fucking seventies. I mean, for God's sakes, I was born, you know, so like the corruption <laughs> right there alone, but that, I mean, that right there. The corruption that was happening in that late seventy, late sixties through the seventies time frame before we got into Coke laden nineteen eighties. But I mean, and, and for him to stand his ground at that point, and then what he said is, you know, like twelve years later or whatever, he ended up buying the farm next to him. 
Then they started. Yeah, I knew that. Other farms around them because they were sticking with the integrity of what it is that they originally wanted to do, which was to serve a quality, grow and harvest and fabricate a quality product. So yeah, now they have like six hundred varietals of vegetables. Oh, it's and they're all unreal. Yeah, the farm tour is great. All my friends get so jealous whenever I go to the farm and I'm posting photos, and they're like, "I want to go there." I'm like, "Well." <laughs> I mean, it, when you're not in the industry, it's a little harder to get there, but it is just, the, it's my Disneyland is that's what I tell everybody. You just frolic around that farm. Well, and you get to stay because I got to stay at like Great Wolf Lodge or something. Kalahari Resort. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't laugh you at me. Like, like Africa meets Ohio. I know. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I was, I was only there for one night. Cause I, I flew in on Sunday and I flew out on Monday morning right after I spoke. So yeah, I got to actually see the rooms this last year. Cause we were with, um, Dan Peretta from aviary. And so he, they put him up there. And so I got to experience Kalahari cause he walked me around the facility and I was just cracking up cause I hadn't been there before. I mean, I've never seen oh, yeah. a, a place like this in the middle of nowhere. They're building right. one in Austin. I can't. They're wait. all over the place right now. Like these Great Wolf mm-hmm. Lodge type places. First off, I remember taking my girls to a Great Wolf Lodge when I was a kid. And and the only thing that I can equate a Great Wolf Lodge to, especially in upstate Pennsylvania, where you you walk into the pool, slide, slippity slide, dance in the water area, and your eyes immediately <laughs> burn from the chlorine levels. That's that kind of place. And then these kids spend six, eight hours in the water with their fucking eyes open. And then the parents are in charge of calming the kids down at the end of the night when they're screaming in tears because they had so much chlorine in their eyes for the day. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. brutal. It's brutal. And Kalahari does a little bit better job. I don't know if they changed the chlorine levels, but. Oh, I guarantee they're that high. When you walk in there, I mean, there's a million kids running around. Hey, everybody, you, you guys know what I do, right? Like I'm a chef and I'm a consultant and I have the opportunity to travel all over the world and help people to open up restaurants. And one of the biggest things that I see with these people that are opening up restaurants is they're buying these POS systems. And by the, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a point of sale system. Okay. A point of sale system is something that helps people to get money in the register as well as it tracks your sales, puts everything where it needs to be. Okay. The biggest problem that most people that I find with most people is they don't have the time to go in and actually pull the numbers that they're looking for. So cake is a point of sale system that lets bar and restaurant owners focus on the guest experience. Stop worrying about tracking every single sale. Cake does everything for you. Like a good POS system should, you can automatically save information and review it later from anywhere. It means you can actually take days off, which are pretty rare, pretty rare. Sorry in this crazy world of the restaurant business. All right, with Cake, you can actually spend time with your family without worrying about adding up last night's sales. Imagine finally taking that vacation you've been dreaming of and knowing that your reporting was going to be done by the time you get back. No matter where you are, you can check in on your daily report that they're going to be up to date. So here's the deal for anybody who's out there right now. To get started with Cake, check out trycake.com forward slash 
Duffy. For all the podcast listeners, you guys are going to get $750 off the activation fee. That's a 75% discount. And with that discount, you get user-friendly point-of-sale solution that includes cloud reporting and world-class 24-7 support. So here's the deal. You're going to do this very simply. Go to trycake.com forward slash Duffy and get your own slice of cake. So let's talk about some of the other stuff that you're involved in. So plate masterist is what I'm going to call you from now uh-huh. on. The plate masterist. Cause oh, you I know, love that. That's I, sexy. I know it is exactly. <laughs> so plate masterist, you, you, you eat the greatest food all over the country. And oddly enough, you're World. not 700 pounds all over the world. You literally, I watch your Instagram and I'm like, God, this woman, like you just, your travel is, is that it rivals that of most chefs that do what I do. Like you're constantly on the road. Um, which I, you know, let me ask you a question. Does your boyfriend live in Austin? He does. Okay. So with you traveling that much, how does that work? He, he has a hard time with it. I'll be honest. It's so tough. Um, you know, I just have a really adventurous spirit and I take advantage of being inviting myself and going to all these amazing things going on in our industry. Uh, so, you know, I'm always out of town because there's always something cool and fun in, in the food world. Uh, he, you know, tags along when he can, but uh, not, not all the time. And he's all the, all the overseas trips, he's starting to come with me. We're, we're planning um, a big trip this summer to Copenhagen. I've never done Noma, and I got to do that. And we're going to go up to to Russia, which will be great. Oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, me, I'm like I'm going to going to San Jacinto. You know, anybody want to meet me? Somebody meet me in San Jacinto, California. Population forty six thousand. Um, hey, I bet I'd go. I'll go wherever you are. I have, you know what I, I try to find, you have to, my assistant who, who, who sets you up and did all that stuff. She has, we have a rule now that I'm not allowed to pick up stragglers when I go out. Wait, what? I'm not allowed to pick up stragglers. You're picking up. Well, so like I was in Jacksonville, Florida a couple months ago and there was this nice guy. He was at the bar and he was hanging out. There was a whole group of us. There's like 10 of us. This dude's at the bar by himself. You could tell that he was obviously having just a bore, just kind of a boring night. He was like a businessman, but he was a young kid. He was probably like 35. So I was like, Hey brother, we're heading over to this pretty cool bar. You know, you're more than welcome to join us. And he's like, wow, man, thank you so much. I'd really like that. So I kind of introduced him to everybody and he shakes hands and we get in the car and I turn back. I'm like, Hey brother, what's your name? And he's like, well, what's your name? And I was like, uh, my name's Brian. It's nice to meet you. What's your name? And he's like, my name's Brian too. And it was like this super weird little interaction. And I turned around. Like I, I look, I was in my seatbelt the whole nine yards. I turned around from the front seat. I'm like, Hey brother, let me tell you something right now. You're in a car with two women and one guy. We have no idea who the hell you are. Give me your ID or get the fuck out of the car. Oh my God. And the guy, the guy's like, the guy's like, why you, why you got to do that? And he like started to get kind of angry. And I was like, pull the fucking car over, get out. Oh my God. So then he ends up, he ends up showing me his ID and he's like, I'm really sorry. Like I'm kind of nervous. I've never met anybody. So then he starts going out. Never met anybody. Well, he he did like, he had met the people really fast. Like it was like, Hey, we're going to the bar Uh, come with us. So he was kind of nervous in that. So I understand. Mm -hmm. 
conversations. So then we get to the bar and he starts and there was like eight women with us because they all work for this company that I was working with. And it was probably like three or four dudes. And he's like, so are you guys going to be taking all these girls back to your room or do I have a chance with one of them? And I was like, all right, brother, now you're creeping me out. Like this shit's getting really kind of weird. Um, so then he, he ended up taking an Uber wherever he was going to his hotel or whatever. We kind of, we ended up not, nobody ended up, everybody ended up not speaking to him. Like he just became super weird. He was asking very inappropriate questions about some of the people that I was with. Oh, and don't forget creep. Yeah, total creep. He just got really weird. So then fast forward to a couple months later, I'm doing an event in Pennsylvania and my assistant was with us and I met this guy, really nice guy at this event that we were doing. He was talking to a bunch of people. I'm like, all right, everybody, we're rolling up. We're going to the, to the pick. It's this crazy bar called the Pickering Inn. And I'm like, we're all taking off mm-hmm. to the pick Who wants to go. And he's like, I'll go. So we get there and the guy starts to become a fucking weirdo freak. And just like fanboyed out on one of the other chefs that was with us just became super weird. So there's a rule now that I'm not allowed to pick up people while I'm on the road. Okay. I think I agree with this rule. I second this rule. You shouldn't. uh, Yeah. I have my phone on you. I mean, we go to all different cities. Okay, great. We'll go to some really cool spots. But last week I was in Youngstown, Ohio. Come on. That's what the counties there are a little different. Is it? Okay. I, pretty impressed with the city i'll be honest Wait, i didn't know baseball? what to expect it's, a, it's huh? baseball football it's football football hall of fame is in youngstown ohio it is yeah just west but of i was yeah. there at the steel light showroom so i didn't see that so we went out <laughs> <laughs> i was there looking at plates i wasn't paying attention to football but we went out because you know when you're in the hospitality industry you go out a lot and we're fun and friendly awesome people so yeah. we make, no matter where we are, a good time. Oh, and we always end up singing and dancing answer. and getting the ball riled up. And we ended up making friends with all the townies. And it was great. And, um, yeah, I ended up becoming really good friends with the bartender. This is the weirdest thing. So I'm sitting there. You know, we're having, we're taking shots after shots and, and getting to make sure everybody at the bar is having a good time. I start talking to the bartender. It turns out his best friend is one of my best friends. Oh, I and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, now this guy and I are, like, super tight. Uh, but you never know who you run into. So I pick up way better stragglers than you, I think, is the story. I have I have some quality, like, I have some quality stories. Like, I've met some pretty awesome people out on the road. I mean, I was out in, in San Jacinto or in San Jacinto, California this week. I ended up going to the casino, sitting down and having conversations with people. Like, I met some cool people while sitting, at you know, at the bar in the casino that I went to by myself. So, you know, I mean, like, because I, I get to a point that I go to a city. I feel and, like you're never alone, no matter where you go. You all. No, I try to find fun people no matter where I go. Like, you know, and I, and I create pretty cool experience. So I try to experience this. So I try to, I try to, I try to share that with other people. I don't know. That's yeah. But I've also gotten out yeah, of a, out of a moving car, like told the guy to pull over on the highway in Pittsburgh because I felt uncomfortable with the way that he was driving, and then had an Uber pick me up on the highway. Oh yeah, I've had I've had some really crazy stories too. Like yeah. that. I accidentally one time. Well, actually, I don't know. I can't really say the story because it's not that appropriate. But I've gotten into cars where I shouldn't have totally. and had them like pull over while almost moving, and I've had to like jump out of the car. I did that in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, really? Yeah, I was in a car, wow. like Baltimore. 
Yeah, no, well, love was like just as bad. It was like the hood. I jump out of the car because I was afraid for my life. I start running. Brian, a gunshot goes off. What? I'm not even kidding. I'm like, I was like, where am I? Okay, I'm looking like I just came out of the club. I was dressed way too inappropriate for the area I was in. And I'm running and there's gunshots. All these people start running towards me because that's where the gunshot was coming from. But the one place I knew somebody at was towards the, the where the shooting, whatever was. So I ran that way, um, which was not the best decision, but I did find the person I was looking for and I was able to get out of that situation, which was, right. which was great. But yeah, it was terrifying. I've been in. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I think I'm very trusting of people. I'm very aware of my mm-hmm. situation. I'll tell you right off the bat. I don't drink too much. And if I yeah, do, either. if I do smoke any form of, of weed or something like, like, well, any form of weed, there's only one form any that I would. Of, yeah. No. That just really got okay. weird. Well, you know why? Cause I'm not a vape guy. Okay. I'm not, uh, like a shatter guy. Although oh, I God, did, shatters, yeah, way over my head. I did a dab in a dispensary in California, and I looked at my brother, and he's like, "Just do it, dude. It's not that big of a deal. It's just weed." And I'm like, "She has a glass pipe that she's heating up with a blowtorch that she's putting a substance in that does not look like weed, and you want me to smoke that?" And, and it was and the, you're telling me it's normal, and this is cool, dude. We're good. exactly. And he's like, "He's like, just try it. Like you've never done." It. I'm like, "This is how crack starts." Like this is what gets you into heroin. This is why, this is why you make the decision at the age of 35 to do meth. Just try it. It won't hurt you. So guess what? This motherfucker is never doing a dab again in his life. So I had a very similar story. I'll never do it again either. I've, I've, and my everybody's like, you know, I was in Portland where, you know, it's legal. And so I feel like their tolerances are different, I guess. And I, um, I was like, fine, I'll try it. Everybody's talking about it. You know, and I own a shop, so I've got to know what we're selling. And so I tried it, and we were all supposed to go out to the club. I sat down and was like, "Y'all go," and I went to sleep because I was nothing left. Too intense for me. Yeah, I couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, I'll never do it again. It just wasn't, and I'm not. I'm not like I'm not a huge smoker. Uh, That was just that was the whole scenario. I felt like Robert Downey Jr. in Less Than Zero. You know the scene, like oh I, like you know, when Andrew McCarthy walks oh, into wow, the bedroom. Yeah, it did. It was a fucked up place. Mm-hmm. It'll never it's happen. Not again. a good place. Not a good place. Yeah. Not at all. So okay. So what other stuff is your you know is is your world involved in? I mean, that makes you that helps you travel and do all the stuff that you do. Well, I come from a whole family of entrepreneurs, so it's in my blood to be involved in a lot of things. Right. And uh, so other stuff I'm involved in, God, there's a lot going on right now. Um, I guess we could go into the marijuana because we're talking about that is uh, I've got a dispensary with my family in Portland, Oregon and a farm. And that can be really funny because I come from a super Catholic Italian family where my mother and father have never done a drug in their life. But right. my little brother has always been a big, in, big into pot and he's always in the industry somehow. Um, you know, my mom used to sit on her knees and pray that um, it would become legal so she wouldn't have to tell everybody her her son was in pharmaceuticals. You know? <laughs> and finally, <laughs> you know, and was he selling was he it. selling illegally prior to that? Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. I mean, he was a kid in Texas, you know, and my mom's at church every Thursday praying for him. So finally it becomes legal. You know, the Lord answered her prayer. She's ecstatic. And he goes out to California, opens a farm and then convinces our family, you know, this is a great idea. So we all went in and we're like, yeah, let's do this. Let's open a dispensary. Let's do it in Portland. Cause at that time, Oregon was medicinal. And so it was a perfect time to get in before rack. And uh, it was easier to get in in California. It was really hard to go legal in California uh, right. and do it the right way. But in Oregon, we could do it. So we opened a farm and a shop there and it has been like a reality show. Like the whole experience has just been hilarious from when we started. And my dad uh, sent his 65 <laughs> year old bookkeeper to live with my 20 something year old drug dealing, Ferrari driving, penthouse owning, got, you know, brother. And so <laughs> the two of them are like, God, come on. I mean, Ryan, it, it was, I literally was so close to putting them on a reality show. Uh, I have friends that, that own, like, uh, put together those shows and they were like, this is just, this is pure genius. And the, the situations the two of them would get in were so funny. They would come in, you know, in the middle of the night, and she would walk out of her room and he would be urinating in a plant in the living room. And it was just like, that was just, you know, a Tuesday night. And right. they would just have the craziest stories ever. And she ended up, um, she's super, super clean cat, little old lady. And she ended up kind of going a little out there, out of, out of a box. She got her job and she had some fun. Um, but then, yeah. Keep try to keep the phone closer to your mouth. Oh, sorry. Thanks. You're like moving oh. it around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, Brian. I move a lot. That's uh, so yeah. Anyway, it was it was a really good time. So that that whole that whole period of time was super funny. Uh, but since then, we've kind of expanded that that business, and we just started last week actually um, distributing CBD. Uh, and hemp flower from Oregon in Texas. Oh, wow. So really? pumped to bring it over. Wow. Our company, our company in Portland's called Grass Cannabis. And then the, the distribution company we just started called Relief uh, Distributing. Oh, and I we used, are bringing like Napa Valley products here. Huh? Relief, R E L E A F, makes a lot of salves. They do? Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Because I, I use them. That's I what I use. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an older chef, so I use them on my on my feet. I use them on my knees. I use them on my hands. Oh, neat! Have you heard of Select Brands? Select no, Select Chains. The shit that's being sold, like in CBD now, is just shit. Everybody and their brothers getting in on it. They're, you know, the the stuff that I'm seeing in like illegal places, like in Pennsylvania. Oh, I agree. It's it's crap, and it's that's shit. what we're changing it. Yes, I think so, like. Portland, Oregon is the Napa Valley of marijuana. And so we're trying to like show people that the quality, there's a difference in quality. And we go around in Texas and everybody's using this terrible quality. And that's why we're bringing in stuff that people haven't experienced yet. Well, it's like going into New York City and seeing the CBD trucks in the middle of Times Square that are selling CBD candy. And it's like, come on. Mm, Oh God, there's not even CBD candy. That's like hemp candy. Exactly. It doesn't even have anything in it. Right. And people right. are believing Exactly. It. Oh, it's terrible. Because they see, well, did you hear about the, uh, did you hear about the sheriff in like Tennessee who was shutting down all the CBD shops 
and finding them for selling, for selling marijuana. And, and the reporter was like, you know, CBD is not illegal, sir. Like there's no, there's no, no effect but it's a gray of it. area. Right. I understand that. I do get that. But there's the conversation that he was saying was, well, it's illegal. It's marijuana. And they're like, so are you going to shut down Walmart as well? And he's like, Walmart selling it. Let's go. And like up, oh, you know, like is ready to go up. shut down Walmart for selling CBD candy. So I, st- I do. I think that there's a lot of education that needs to happen for people to really understand what it is, because there's people that are walking the streets of New York City like, oh, man, I can't believe how great I feel because I just had hemp oil. Well, guess what, brother? Hemp oil doesn't do that shit to you. You know, that's the thing. It's like people actually, okay, two things are happening. People are taking it and they're like, this doesn't work. And it's giving CBD a bad name because they're not getting the proper quality product. And then another thing, I've had people take those stupid lollipops and think they were stoned. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Oh oh, yeah. Right. And it's that, that placebo kind of world with it. It is kind of funny. So I think that, and one of the things that I, I, you know, we're watching prohibition be repealed is basically what's happening on a state by state level. We're watching prohibition be repealed. I mean, imagine back during prohibition, if we knew what the outcome of the alcohol industry would be, we would all Mm -hmm. be, we'd all be billionaires at this point. So if you're like, my children have zero idea how much weed stock they own. They have zero idea. I mean, I've bought a boatload of weed stock for these guys with a bunch of different things and a bunch of, you know, I've tracked a lot of stuff just because, you know, I mean, I I give them a leg up on something as they're moving forward in life. You know, I mean, that was really, that's a nice dad of you. And should I buy my girls weed stock? (laughs) Why not? I'm not buying them weed. I'm buying them stock in the product. No, Yeah. That's great. But you're exactly right. That's exactly what's happening. And that's why we're trying to like get on top of Texas. Uh, since I live here, we're opening up CBD shops here right. uh, so we can prepare for when it becomes legal. Nice. Well, I, so there's yeah. a couple of, there's a couple of people that I've had conversations with. Um, one woman is uh, she is a she's a consultant for a lot of the, the dispensaries that are opening up. So she was pretty awesome. She was on the show as well. And then I also interviewed a gentleman. Named, oh, I totally will. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. She just left. She just sold her company. And I also have a buddy of mine. His name is David Denenberg. David owns a company called Kind Financial, which handles all the seed to sale software. Interesting. That was endorsed okay, by Microsoft. Yeah, that'd be great. That was, in, that was endorsed by Microsoft like two years ago. And he was well, the type of guy. all the people in the industry that are yes. getting into it. Huge. Like the and C- then there's did you the- hear about the CEO of like Apple? One of the one of the executives from Apple left um, and took a giant pay cut and is with uh, Cura Brands out of Oregon. And the Apple was like, "Stay with us. We'll pay you more." And all of a sudden, he's like, "No, I believe in this. I believe right. in what's going to happen." And he he's changing that whole company. Options. He got stock options. He's good. Yeah, I'm worry about. It. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I took a pay cut from three hundred ninety-five thousand dollars a quarter to I'm only getting two hundred a quarter now. So, fuck he's you. He's saving the world. He's saving the world. But I think that there needs to be uh, there needs to be a true education because we are we are so confused about what is happening because you, I can go online right now and, and there will be CBD is good for you. CBD is bad for you. THC is good for you. THC is bad for you. This is good. I mean, it's the same as 
fucking Oprah Winfrey's diets through the entire time she was on TV. Like who really knew Mm -hmm. what the truth was? Nobody knew. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the benefits that are coming out of cannabis and all the benefits that are in the medicinal level are pretty massive. Just the simple fact of, of, of uh, epilepsy, you know, and watching Mm, the the very straightforward seizures that are happening where these kids are having 30, 40, 50, 60 seizures a day. And now they're having two. Well, my mother became a believer because when we had the shop open for medicinal people would come in and show us all the pills they were taking that they don't take anymore because they've replaced it with just marijuana. And it was that changed, you know, transitioned my mom's brain and it was just super cool. And it's like, wow, we are positively impacting people. This is a good thing, you know, and there are people out there doing amazing things with education. I don't know if you know the the herbal chef. Have you met Chris? One of my, one of my really close friends. No, but I have had, I have, I've had some weed chefs on before. And they're, 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 they're interesting. Him. They're interesting conversations. Well, no, the thing about him is that's so different from everybody else out there. Uh, he is all about the education and the health and wellness aspect of it. And he's doing dinners that are fine dining. Uh, the food is, is, is the forefront. It's not the marijuana. It's all about right. the food. And then, yeah, there's low dosage of marijuana in it, but he is all about marijuana brings people together and he, he is so insightful and he's like 26 years old and wow. that guy's traveled the world and he's really doing some amazing things with, with marijuana and CBD. And he was actually launching CBD at uh, Sundance this year. I did. I've read about Southwest, that. Which is next week. Oh, you did read about? Yeah. I did read about that. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's all up on that. We'll do and a con- can you do me- and South by Southwest. Will you do a connection? Oh, a hundred percent. I think you guys I'd love really to have him on. I interviewed Peyton Curry. Peyton yeah. Curry's, a, I can't remember what Peyton's kind of title is, but he does a lot with CBD as well. And you know, I mean, he tells his story and, and his story is pretty, pretty bold. Actually, I interviewed him last year, the day after the day, the last day of NCB of nightclub and bar it was 6 a.m. I got in at 4.30. I called him at six and he picks up the phone. He goes, yo, dude, what's going on? <laughs> and the first 10 minutes of our interview, he was like, uh, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I had no idea where to take the interview at all. And it ended up being, he was so high. It was a riot, but, but he had a really good story to tell. And his story talked about his kind of his, his rise through the kitchen, you know, of becoming a raging alcoholic becoming a drug addict more or less and then finding the finding weed and how it changed his life and how it slowed him down and it, it readjusted his palate and how he changed the way that he was, he was, you know, his dynamic of being in kitchens. And it was really a pretty, I mean, it was a, it was a good, it was a good interview. I really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah. It was a really good interview. I never listened to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris will be a totally different perspective. He's got a totally different story, but, uh, yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up that one. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, Curry. So if you just go go to my Duffified Live Instagram page, and all the links are there. You can just pull it up on iTunes if you want. So, um, perfect. So, so what's so what's next for you? I mean, you're you're all over the world. You're traveling. Yeah. You're eating. You're doing super cool shit. You own a cannabis dispensary in, in Oregon. You own a farm out in Oregon. You guys are now bringing CBD oils, a real, true, quality product, back into Texas. 
I mean, what do you, what's yeah. your, what are you going to do? And you're like 22. Oh, I just look 22, Brian. No, I'm, <laughs> I wish. No, I'm 35. Uh, and uh, the next thing is another passion project of mine that I'm, I'm really, really excited about that can positively impact our environment. And that's grub tubs. And that's something that, uh, that's the future. And that's what, what I'm really excited about. Um, this company is changing the way we handle food waste. Uh, as a chef, you, you've seen food waste. You know how much stuff is thrown away. It's absolutely uh, it's infuriating. It is. And I'm so glad you said those words. Cause it's like, all right, the plates I do are so much fun and it gets me into so many exciting places and I have such a great time with them. The weed is, is really, um, a really amazing industry. Like you said, I feel like I'm on the cusp of, of seeing the whole prohibition thing, but, but this grub test can change the world. And, um, the, what, the way they're approaching it, what they're doing with food waste, um, supports the whole community. So I'll walk you through what they do. So they go ahead and, uh, take all that food waste from a restaurant or, it could be any commercial kitchen. It doesn't have to be a restaurant. We're, we're working with Facebook right now. So anything like that uh, or a hotel. And we collect all the food waste in a really clean, unique way. It's uh, in these tubs that go into your kitchens. Uh, so chefs are really liking this because it's easy. You're not rebagging and taking it out to a compost or anything like that. It's right there at your workstation. You dump everything from meat, bones, um, you name it. If it if it was once uh, a piece of food or uh, some yeah a food product, it can go in there. Right. And then we come by, take it, and we turn it into animal feed. When I say that, people are like, "Ew!" Like you're taking old rotten food. No, what we do is we take that low nutrient food and we put grubs on it. This sounds so gross. No, but, but the insects brilliant. actually eat the food. It's brilliant. It is. It's so brilliant. the insects eat the food. And then the insects are high protein, right? That's right. a high nutrient. Loaded. And it's a natural diet. Yeah, loaded. And and they're the natural diet of a chicken. Chickens right. want to eat grubs. They want to eat these exactly. black soldier flies. And who cares if so, it was eating black garlic with, with a filet and some form of reduction next to it? They don't give a shit. <laughs> they don't give a crap. Actually, it's probably eating better quality from what exactly. we're picking up at, at, you know, the W Hotel, as opposed to what these farmers who are growing the grubs out, you know. So we're, we're giving our, our, our flies good food. Right. <laughs> but we're taking that. You have this high-quality protein, and we're helping support the local farm community and subsidizing their cost so they can buy these amazing grubs for a fraction of what they'd spend buying soy and corn to feed the right. livestock. And so they're getting better quality livestock. You know, the, the chickens, the pigs and the fish are actually taste better because they're eating better quality. Right. Um, and it's all at a lower cost. So then they can in turn sell their chickens to the restaurants at a more affordable cost as well. Right. And now every local restaurant can afford to have, um, you know, these heritage birds, which right. is a thing of the past. And we're, we're being able to grow these farms in every single uh, city and community might not have been able to do it before. So it's, it, that's my passion. I feel like we can 
put this all over the country and make such a difference and actually do something with the food waste that that is better than just throwing it in, you know, in the landfill. Can I tell you something really funny? I just, I just shot, uh, I just shot at the final episode of something that I've been working on for a while. And I was, I was in the kitchen on whatever. I don't even know what day today is. So Saturday I was in the kitchen on Saturday and I walked to the end of the line and in the, at the end of the line was all this perfectly good romaine that was cut and it was sitting in the top of the trash can. And I looked at it and I'm like, what the fuck? Like who's just throwing product away? And I stood there and I watched cook after cook after cook after chef walk past this server after server walk past this trash can with, with probably an inch and a half, two inches of romaine on the top part of the trash can. And not one person, not one person had any reaction. Not one person did anything. I looked over at the camera guy and I was like, do you have any ones on you right now? And he reaches into his wallet and he grabs me four ones and we joked around about it's the last four ones he has, blah, blah, blah. And I put them on top of the trash Uh can. And the first person to walk by, why is all this money in the trash can? Oh my God, but nobody said anything. Oh my God, I love that you put that because that was money just sitting in the trash can. Exactly. Like how hard is this? for people to comprehend. Like I watch people, I watch a guy the other day and I talk about this all the time. I can't believe we didn't talk about this in the beginning. And I'm very angry at you for bringing it up at the end, but now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> By the way, I just got an email from eater that breaks down the entire cat Cora, a linear thing. I just got the email like a minute ago. So we'll go into that in a second. Yeah. But so one of the things that like, I, I just, I can't believe is that, Nobody pays attention to that stuff. And I'm watching people. I go into kitchens and I watch cooks grab a green onion, a bunch of green onions, which cost me a dollar twenty five. Okay. A bunch of green mm-hmm. onions cost you like a dollar twenty five, a dollar ninety nine, two bucks, whatever it works out to be. And the first thing that these guys do is they hack off an inch to an inch and a half off the top. And then yeah. they go to the bottom and they hack off the white part. Which anybody who knows anything about a green onion, that sweetest, the sweetest, juiciest, Mm -hmm. most succulent part of that green onion, of that scallion is that beautiful white part. And I'm watching guys do this and I'm like, okay. And then I I use it as a food cost scenario where I'm like, okay, here's this green onion cost me 10 cents out of this whole bunch. This one green onion cost me 10 cents. You just cut off a quarter of that and threw it in the trash. Now that green onion cost me 12 cents. Now it cost me 15 cents. Now it cost me 16 cents just because we're cutting shit off that there's nothing wrong with. It's just nature. It's just natural for these guys to just go and pay at something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you said that because that's part of the whole grub tub thing is when these tubs are in your kitchen, we've told the chefs walk around and look at what's being thrown in there because it's only food. It's not like all the other products. So we've been able to help and, and save um, so many places money because they're like, whoa, like we're ordering too much or they're, they're, they're doing exactly what you said. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing that something that little paying attention to, to, you know, what's going in the trash can totally change the, the profit, profitability of the restaurant. 
Well, I've walked into places and as a consultant, places that have high food costs and all the other stuff. And I do an evaluation. I walk through the restaurant. I, I do every part of it. I watch plates that go out of the kitchen and then I stand by the dish room and watch the plates that come back into the kitchen. And I'm like, you guys are serving seven ounces mm. of mashed potatoes to an eight ounce piece or a, to a 14 ounce steak. You're given seven ounces of mashed potatoes and eight ounces of vegetables. You're giving away two pounds of food that's going on one plate and our stomachs are this fucking big. You know, and, and, it, and we're, and all they're doing is throwing it in the trash. And I'm like, you know, you guys could in reality lower the price of your food on your menu, give smaller portions mm-hmm. and people would still be happy because they're not even taking that product home with them. It's just going in the trash. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Why is it that I'm never, I've never heard of this because I want you to have this product in my booth at the nightclub and bar show, which is the food. It's the food and beverage innovation center. Like I'm working oh my on God, you're right. We need to have this there. We did. I mean, we, we we actually won. We worked. We won. We were creator award. Uh, we won South by Southwest the South by Southwest Pitch Award last year, and we were just written up in Eater. We actually just got written up in Forbes. But the thing about Grub Tubs is that it's only in beta testing in Austin. We right. haven't expanded out of Austin yet, and that's why you're not seeing it everywhere. Um, we're expanding to the rest of Texas really soon. But the thing that we have to have farms wherever we go. So we've had yeah, but there's to, farms that are already out there it, that, could, taken, that could utilize this product. I mean, I deal with a farmer in, in local yep. to me that I used to have him come and pick up some of my waste and he would then go and turn it into feed. And then in turn, he would give me a certain portion of land that I could grow my own produce on. Ooh, see, these like are the conversations were to, we need to be having. And yeah. You, on you and I need to talk. You and I need to talk after this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna have, sorry, so people. We're ending the conversation. <laughs> yep. We're going to end that. Then we'll talk afterwards because if you've got those relationships, we can make this happen. That's, well, I mean, that's every, what we need. every place has, I mean, there's now with the importance of urban farming that's happening. You know, I mean, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. we have urban farms that are selling, you know, they're selling microgreens and they're selling, you know, heirloom herbs and tomatoes and, and produce that hasn't been seen in years. You know, we're so used oh, yeah. to this commodity, this, this product that shows up on a shelf that's stunning, that's beautiful. You know, what are, think about the, we got to stop talking. We're giving away too, too much information. <laughs> you and I, we need to have this conversation. We could go, yeah. we could go into that. Like if you've seen the urban farms of Japan, like that's a whole nother thing. Oh my right? God. It's amazing. It's amazing what's happening. Yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, we just, just think about, on farms. you know, you look at, you look at, at Europe and what's happening, what happened in Italy and, and in France where they were, they were, char- they were fining people for throwing away produce and stuff like that. Grocery stores. Like when I'm done, when we're done with the food and beverage innovation center, we typically have a lot of product left over. We donate it all to a women's shelter. Like we don't let this other company out there. I need to connect you with called Copia that they are the Uber for, um, food donation. They're the coolest company. Oh my God. And you you were having this conversation as soon as we end. Okay. Copia. Copia. So it's like cornucopia. It's just Copia. Yeah. Copia. My, I think the coolest thing about me is all the cool people I get to know. <laughs> My girlfriend's the VP exactly. of that company and it is, it's amazing what they're doing and how they've made an impact. They were able to see like 2 million people when the Napa fires happen in like within two hours. I mean, yeah, I they need to get involved with are on demand food to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want, I, yeah. I need all that to happen to me because I've gotten to a point that look, I, I've been a chef for a long time. I mean, I graduated culinary school in 1995. You know I mean? I'm into this. I'm 23, 24 years into this now. And I, I'm, I'm almost upset at myself that I didn't pay attention to the socio aspect of all of this when I was younger. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know I was a chef. I created food. I put it together. And now I have such an, like food is such a fuel and such an impact on, in so much of our lives. And we think about all the bullshit that's being served to our children at this point, kids that are growing up, you know, kids that are, are are loaded with, with infections and diseases. And, you know, they're, they can't eat this or allergic to that. They've got, you know, down syndrome. And we've got like, I, I mean, just learning disabilities across the board and we're not paying attention to anything that has to do with food. Nobody is. It's, it's all because of food. It's all because of food. That, wow. I am firm believer in that. I am so I angry am right so now. Pretentious when it comes to food. Like I, when people know when I come around, they're like, "Oh God, we're gonna have to eat at all this other kinds of places. You can't just make it easy with me because right. I won't eat crap." Yeah, my my problem that I find yeah. is that that I I get on the road and it's really hard to find good quality casual food. I don't want to yeah. sit down and have, yeah. I, I don't need a $300 meal. I'm happy with a $15 burger. I'm cool with it's that. It's coming, Brian. I it's know. It's coming. I'm telling you, that's what's going to be happening in the future. Well, it needs to happen. All are opening. It needs to happen on a bigger mass level with the, with the consumer. Yes, the chefs and the restaurants. But the problem is, is that the average consumer has a problem paying $22.95 for a free range chicken when I can go to old country buffet and get an entire chicken with 17 other plates of flu food with dessert, including wet walnuts out of a five gallon bucket for nine ninety five. And that is why grub tubs is going to make a difference. Exactly. Because we're going to be able to lower that chicken cost to where right. everybody can get that kind of quality for half the price. It's, so I, it's not going to be a money issue anymore. When, I, when you say, like, somebody will say to me, you know, I don't say let's go to the grocery store. I say, hey, let's go to Whole Foods. And people are like, oh, it must be nice to be able yeah. to afford to to Whole Foods. I'm like, it must be nice <laughs> to be able to afford food that I feel comfortable with. <laughs> Is that what you're, you're making yeah. fun of me because of my food choices? You know? Well, I spend all my money on food. Like, that's where, that's when oh. I look at what I spend. That's where it goes. Yeah. I do the same. I mean, mine's, mine is travel meals. I mean, I have... Cause I eat, I mean, I'm on the road, you know, I'm on the road all the time. So I'm constantly looking for a quality product or a quality restaurant or, you know, and I, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It's one of the reasons why I think I end up in some of the Vietnamese, the Thai places like that, mm-hmm. because the ingredients, they, although they may not be clean, they're prepared in a very precise manner. That's how I feel. Yeah, I want. That's how I feel. I want to go on the road with you one day. I just want to get in the car with you. Yeah. And, and just experience this. I mean, I try to have. I mean, I do. I try to have as much experience, as many experience. And I'm the guy who's like exhausted. Dude, I feel like that could actually be a good show. It's like showing people like where to get like good food on the road. I'm a, a road warrior, and so yeah. many other people I know are too. And it's like I don't know where to eat or what to do. I mean. And I know the industry so well, and I find myself at Chick Fil A a lot of times when I'm driving in the uh, middle of nowhere. I can't even. I, I can't even do it. I feel like shit after I eat it. I would rather. I would rather stop at a grocery store and and drive a half a mile or two miles off of the highway and pull into a grocery store and grab a shit ton of 
pineapple or like cut up fruit that I'll eat on the road. And, and, and Jack, by the way, we're talking about my girlish figure that I'm rolling with here. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, mean, just because I don't want to feel like shit, but then there's, you know, I, I eat a Snickers bar on the plane the other day and I'm, and I'm in a sugar coma for the next three hours. Oh, totally. You know, totally. it's like, what the fuck? So, okay. All right. We're getting into a whole nother level. We got a whole other world All that we're right. talking about right now. So um, I'm not even going to talk about this Cat Cora Alinea thing because I don't know enough about it to have a full conversation. Um, I'm sure she was probably having a shit day. Who knows? We don't know anything about that. Um, so I can't speak. We all on. have those days. Yeah, I'll read the article and I'll go from there. So um, I love you and I thank you. And I'm so glad that you came on here with me and we have so much more to talk about. Oh, I love you too. I'm so happy we're friends. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. So Jack, do me a favor. Tell everybody how they can, uh, who you are, what you do and how they can get in contact with you. I'm Jacqueline Mangione. I am the plate princess. You can come watch my adventures on Instagram and you can direct message me there. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to reach out to you this week because I want to chat. Uh, about a couple things, especially this nightclub and bar thing with Grub Tub. So, alrighty. Oh, absolutely. All right, lady. Thanks for your time. See you there. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Well, that was, uh, that was quality right there. That's why I enjoy this is, I met, I met Jack at the, uh, uh, at the NRA show about four years ago. We, uh, had a kind of an instant connection. We became friends at that point. We started to communicate a little bit here and there while being on the road. You know, are you going to be here? Are you going to be there? Cause she was just a powerhouse. I mean, listening to this lady talk about the product that she knows so well was so intriguing to me. And she, not only that, she's just kind of a super cool chick. So we hit it off. We've had a good friendship over the last couple of years and have never really been able to connect at any of these other cities that we go. So honestly, that conversation that her and I had was, was the basis of a friendship that we've had for four years and have seen each other twice, two times in four years. So like, that's the stuff that I talk about. When I post a picture of my shoes, those are the things that I'm talking about. The experiences, the travels, the, the people that I've met along the road, along the way and on the road that, that, that have an impact on me. So, uh, so Jacqueline Mangione, Hey, I love you. I thank you so much for coming on again. Everybody do me a favor and follow her on Instagram as the plate princess. She's super cool. And that's all I have to say for this episode. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. You know the love that I got to give to the boys down there at RadioInfluence.com, Jerry and Jason, who are crushing it right now. Podcast after podcast that they're putting out on a weekly basis. And at this level that they do it, I have no idea how they're alive, still married, or have an opportunity to eat. That's how I feel about that. So get down there. If you want to do a podcast, I highly suggest you have a conversation with these guys because they're going to make it easy for you and you're going to have a good time doing it because it's an opportunity to get out there and do something fun and, and share your voice and your opinion or whatever it is. Um, Maggie Gagliardi, the wonderful human being that she is, who's over there doing our illustrations on a weekly basis. Michelle out there at Techno Solution, who does all my stuff on my websites, my menu design. Michelle's a pretty awesome individual, and I appreciate her on a daily basis. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Ladies and gentlemen, go out there, be fucking nice to people, and you know what? Shake somebody's hand and introduce yourself to them and ask them about themselves. You never know what you're going to find or who you're going to come in contact with. That's what I got to say. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef 
B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. This is a cannabis podcast powered by Truly. Quick fix on Radio Influence. People think that THC is to get you high and CBD is the therapeutic. And to, to some extent, that is true. CBD doesn't get you high. THC does get you high. There's different levels, obviously. But now they're finding out that THC might even have more medicinal value than CBD. Now, the only issue with that is the people who don't like the high, and I'm not one of them, the people who don't like the high, it's not, that's not going to make sense for them. That's why CBD works for them. For people who don't mind the high, go with the THC. That makes sense. People have a lot of different reasons why they smoke marijuana. To me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you smoke it. Smoke it and get the benefits. The Cannabis Podcast, powered by Leaf, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.